Good evening, Salt Company. It is a joy to be here with you tonight. I hope this video finds you well. Uh, I hope that the words of scripture that we are going to open up and read together meet you in a very unique way uh, in these crazy and unique times. Uh, Whether you are a freshman who just got back home in your freshman year, your dorm experience, uh, all that just got cut short and now you're stuck at home, Uh, whether you're an upperclassman who's huddled together with your roommates, you're watching this together right now, Uh, or whether you're a senior who's trying to figure out, uh, you know, now that your senior year is done, how to navigate into the real world in these crazy times, um, I think Jesus Christ has some words for us tonight. I think that what we're going to see tonight is going to meet some of you in a very special way because here's what I know. Jesus is still alive. He's uh, on his throne right now. He knows what's going on and his words to us through the Apostle Paul tonight are going to mean something to every single listener tonight. So uh, just to welcome you into my state of living, we are currently live streaming from my living room, dining room area. As you guys know, uh, my wife Jenny and I just recently bought a house, which has been perfect timing because we've had a ton of time to uh, work on stuff. And so been real busy with that. I'm enjoying being here. Uh, We're we're staying busy for sure. Um, As you'll also notice, I've got some decent audio set up. We're just going to try it and see how it works. Um, this is the same equipment you can see. I got my computer here. I don't know if you can see that actually. Uh, this is the same equipment that I use to shameless plug record my podcast, The Grain of Salt. So, you know, if I had it here and we're recording podcasts already, might as well use it for this. If it's weird, if it's too much, we won't do it again. So just give me a break. Uh, you know, we might as well try it. But we're going to try and keep tonight short. I hope we're going to keep it simple. Um, we are going to pick up right where Ryan left off in the book of Galatians. So we're still chugging through uh, right along in our series of Galatians. So if you've got a Bible handy, go ahead and grab that. Uh, If you need to pause me, whatever. Let's dig into the Bible. We're going to be in Galatians chapter three. We're picking up right in the middle of that chapter. We're going to be in starting in verse 15, uh, page 1048. (laughs) If you have my exact Bible, if you have, if your if your Galatians three fifteen lands on the same page as mine, please comment below. I gotta know that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> t- the title tonight, if you're taking notes, real simple. Like I said, we're keeping it simple tonight. Who we are? Exclamation point. Put an exclamation point after it. We're gonna be talking about who we are uh, because we're confident about this. We are excited about this, um, and we're gonna see we're gonna see who we are through what Paul three identity terms Paul calls his audience in Galatia. So we're going to be looking at three different identity terms. Um, I think those are going to be more impactful to us and maybe more timely than they ever have been in our entire lives. Okay. Bold statements to start it off, but um, yeah, let's just roll with it. So let me pray for us before we get started. Father, thank you for... um, the opportunity to gather tonight, Lord, virtually uh, in whatever state we're in. Lord, we take comfort in the fact that you know us deeply, Lord, that you are here present with us, uh, that even though we have to do all this live stream stuff, whatever, you have not changed. You are continually faithful. Lord, you want to hear from us. You want to teach us. And so I pray that 
God, you would please use me to instruct some students tonight who may be struggling or instruct the students who are feeling real good about themselves. Lord, I pray that uh, Paul's words to the Galatians would impact us in a unique way tonight. I believe you can do this. I believe you're listening to my prayer right now. And so I ask all these things in the powerful and risen name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So, um, Our text tonight is super confusing, really confusing. So I'm going to be summarizing a a good portion of it, uh, but I want you guys to read through this as you're doing your virtual connection groups, or even as you just call your friends or whatever. Um, I want you to read through the whole passage and try and summarize it for yourself because you might not like mine. That's totally fine. If you're like, oh, I would have summarized it this way. Great. I mean, go for it. Uh, basically, I want you guys to be reading this yourself so that you know I'm not making this stuff up, okay? I'm, uh, I'm just relaying what I'm reading here. And so, starting in chapter three, going back a little bit into what Ryan uh, preached about last week, Paul starts using this man named Abraham as an example of someone who was justified by faith, okay? That's a real churchy term, Uh, But basically it means this, that Abraham was a man who believed God and in return, God counted him as righteous, as perfect, um, without fault before him because he believed God. Okay, so then Paul goes on to ask the question, if that's how God operates, if he operates and he justifies people by faith, by them believing in him, why did God give us the law in the first place? What is the importance of it? Does it still bind us today? Um, And the answer he's going to give is, like I said, really confusing and it's pretty dense. So it's just like boom, 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 just like confusing stuff. So here we go. I'm going to expand it a little bit and hopefully simplify it so that you guys understand a little more. Um, He starts by saying this, God promised Abraham a long time ago that he would make him into a great nation and that all the nations of the earth would be blessed by him. They'd be blessed through him. And so then, as Paul says, 430 years later, after the promise was made, the law comes. So the promise first and then the law, this instruction on how they ought to live. And God intended for this law to be a temporary thing over their lives. It was never a permanent fix for the sin problem in our lives. Okay? It served two purposes, uh, a negative purpose and a positive purpose. First, negatively, you guys have probably heard this before, the law was intended to serve as like this magnifying glass for sin, okay? It exposed human sinfulness by showing what was required to be righteous and nobody could do it. Like it was absurd. The, The standard that people needed to live in order to be considered righteous Everybody fell short. So that was the first and negative uh, like purpose of the law. On the other hand, positively, Paul says it acted like a guardian or a word that you guys will probably resonate with a little more, like a chaperone at your middle school or your high school dance. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm getting at here. Imagine this with me. The song, Like a G6, pops on, and everybody gets that crazy look in their eyes, right? (laughs) But the chaperones are there to make sure everybody stays in check. You know what I mean? So the law was like the chaperones at the dances. 
Here's what I mean. Stay with me. The chaperones, no, sorry, the law didn't actually solve the sin problem in their life. And you guys, as middle schoolers, as messed up as you were, you probably knew, the chaperones don't actually do anything to me. They just like limit my life. It's like a, or like, you know, we're in Iowa City, a lot of mopeds, a governor on a moped. You're like, it sucks. It just like slows me down. You know, like a G6 comes out, I want to go crazy. And uh, these chaperones, they're like, "Mm -mm." they don't actually solve the problem. They just curb like your (laughs) little middle school desires to just go crazy. Okay. I hope you understand what I'm getting at here. The law didn't solve their problem. Oh, sorry. Let me move on. It didn't solve their problem, but it did hold them in check. So it did guide them and like teach them how to live righteously. So it like, (laughs) you have to understand by now, it like led them in the right direction. It was intended to hold them, the Israelites, God's chosen people in check until that Messiah would come to free them permanently, to make one sacrifice and free them. And eventually that Messiah did come in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a life in perfect fulfillment of the law and substituted himself on the cross, trading in his perfect record for our sinful and faulty and guilty record. In doing that, he gave salvation freely and fully to every single person who would believe in his name. So now, that's where we're up to speed, okay? Sorry, that was long, but... um, That's where we're up to speed, up to verse 25 in our passage tonight. Read with me. Galatians 3, 25 and 26. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For through faith, you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. So boom, right there. There's our first identity statement. If you're taking notes, here's number one. In Christ, we are all one. It says, you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. He was talking about a unity here. Uh, you can say, in Christ, we're all family. We are all unified. However you want to best understand it, whatever resonates with you best. That's what Paul is saying here. That's the first result of believing in Christ Jesus is that you are now one with every single person who believes along with you. This has been God's plan from the beginning, Okay. Remember when I said that he promised to Abraham that all nations would be blessed by him. That means everybody. That regardless of your social class, regardless of your gender, regardless of your area of study, which side of Iowa City you live on, whatever, doesn't matter. God's promise to Abraham was that all people will be blessed through him. It gets better, okay? Look with me in chapter three, verse 29. Actually, let me back up. 27 and 28 fall into that too. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. I should have read that. That's where that's where the one comes from. Okay? That's point number one. Your first identity term is we're one. We're family. We're unified. Number two, looking in verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs, according to the promise. The second thing we are, we are heirs, 
of Christ Jesus. So we don't think about this word too much because we don't talk about death too much in this culture, in this day and age. Um, But if you've encountered death from a loved one, there's a chance that you were an heir to some extent. Okay. You may not have wanted it. Like you're like, "I, I don't want this stuff, but you acquired something with their absence in the same way the family that we are a part of, we are heirs to the promise that God made to Abraham. You know who was in the family line of Abraham? Jesus Christ. When Abraham died, the promise then moves on from him to his children. And many of his children have died. The promise eventually went to King David. You guys have heard of him before. It eventually falls and passes on to Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ himself died, right? But Jesus is the one that the promise was made for. He's the Messiah. He was the one who was gonna come to fulfillment in, and through his death and resurrection, it did come. As he died, don't miss this. As he died, the promise that God made to Abraham and to his family line moved not onto Jesus' physical children, but to his spiritual children. All who would believe in him by faith. This is good news. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are an heir of that promise along with Jesus Christ, a beneficiary, a successor of the promise made long ago now falls to you. But come on, it gets better. Chapter four, verses four and five. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The last thing we are, the third identity that Paul gives the Galatians and he gives to us too, is that we are sons and daughters. Not only are we part of a family, not only are we heirs to the great promise, but we are the very sons and daughters of Jesus, of God the Father. In Jesus' short 33-year life, physical life here on this earth, he went through the same process we did, right? It says he's born of a woman, born into a sinful world. But he came to redeem us that we might become the children of God. That's why he came. And that's what we are. That's what you can be. Truly, you can be a child, a son or a daughter of God. Here's the implications. Here's what I want you to hear. Salt Company, Iowa City. If all that is true, that we're one, that we're heirs, and that we're sons and daughters, I think for most of us, that is going to mean more to us now than it ever has. The world is crazy right now. We're experiencing a global pandemic like nothing we've ever seen in our life. I mean, surely, we've our short lives, we've never seen anything like this. So let me assure you of this. If God is your father... If that's true, I'm confident, I'm so confident that he sees you tonight, right now, that he knows about your struggle, that he knows about your tough home situation, that now you're spending more time than you didn't want to, about your internship that just fell through, 
about the anxiety, the fear. Take comfort in the fact that God sees you. Not only does he see, but he's also near to you. He is more real than you are as a person, than I am as a person. God is more real than that. He is closer to you than the skin on your body. I mean, think critically about this stuff. If that's true, he's in control. He's not scared. He's not uh, rattled or he's not going to fall off his throne. No, God is in control. He is real. He is a sturdy rock to stand on, a shelter when the world is falling. He is the purest form of hope. He's where hope is found. He created hope. He's worthy to be trusted in. And as family, as heirs, as sons and daughters, we're going to be faced with possibly, this gets me excited, possibly the biggest opportunity for influence for Jesus that we could ever hope for. On this campus, in this city, people's lives, some of your friends, some of your old roommates from the dorms are crumbling before them. It, people's lives are the foundation that they've built their life on is sand and all of a sudden it's sinking. And soon, get this, soon you're going to be back with them in class. You're going to be back working out with them in the gym. You're going to be back in the dorms or whatever doing life with them. We are going to have this tremendous opportunity as God's chosen people to share the reason for the hope that we have currently. We'll we'll eventually be able to say, yeah, this was the reason for the hope that I had, but right now there is hope to be taken hold of. It's Jesus, Jesus Christ risen from the grave, victorious over life itself. He is our hope. Not our school, not our jobs, not our roommates, not salt company. It's Jesus Christ, the risen savior. So if you're scared, anxious, fearful, cool. Bring Jesus into that fear and talk about it. On the other hand, if you feel like a million bucks, you're like invincible in this time, cool. Bring Jesus into the reason for the confidence that you have in this time. Now more than ever, people need to hear the gospel, the good news that Jesus died for sinners. So take it to them. Call your friends. Call your family. Tell them the reason for the hope we have. Together, as a family, we are strong. Together, we inherit the kingdom of heaven through promises made long ago. So lean on one another. Be courageous together because we're going to be all right. You know how I know that? We're the children of God. Guys, if these three things are true, that we are one, we are unified as a family, we are heirs, and we are sons and daughters, I can promise you, we will be all right. We're going to be better than ever. We are going to thrive in this time. Let's pray. Lord, I'm, I'm a little fired up right now, thinking about all the things that you're gonna do through us, in us, Lord, 
we would be the luckiest, most blessed people in the entire world to be used by you. That's what I'm asking, Lord. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would use the students of Salt Company in Iowa City to change this city, to bring the kingdom of God here and make a difference for yourself. Do it through us, Lord. Do it through any uh, Christians in this city, Lord. We want to see your kingdom come. We don't want to build a name for ourselves. We want to build a great name for you. Thank you for providing salvation through us, for us through a promise that you made to Abraham long ago. Lord, we see it fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We believe that. And God, I pray if there's any people uh, who are on the fence about this, they want to know uh, more about this, Lord, that you would just take them there, that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would gift them with belief and salvation and change their lives forever. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to virtually gather to still talk about your word and be reminded of the hope we have. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.